Welcome to Oops All Monsters, the deadly unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me when he's not gibbering under the moonlight with his knollish brothers over a feast of halfling child flesh is Gavin. <laughs> and this weirdo with me who has missed second breakfast is Hess. Uh quick quick on the second breakfast there um all right uh so uh we are here to as we always are delight and delight and edify you with tales and mysterious monsters from mythology film literature tv as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond on a rotating basis each of us brings a monster into the shop unknown to the other presenter and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you, dear readers at home. Quick reminder, check out the Instagram at oopsallmonsters. Um, and uh, before we get into this topic, which is one of mine, Gavin, do you have something to drag us over into the world of um, rare English vocabulary? Villain's vocabulary. I do. This is a kind of an interesting one. It's it is obelisk. Obelisk or obelisk. Yeah. Obelisk. A O B E L U S. Or uh, it's sometimes referred to as Obelus. a dagger mark, and it's a typographical mark okay. that usually indicates a footnote if an asterisk has already been used. Sometimes it is used to indicate death or extinction. Huh. And I was—I did not know this word. Yeah, I was looking at it, and I kind of realized that all of the uh, vampire, the masquerade, like clan insignias, are yeah. are just images from like Microsoft Word. <laughs> is that is that true? I it seems to be because like one a couple of them are obelisks. <laughs> I see. Yeah, cuz the way that this looks or at least if I'm looking at the right thing, it's kind of looks like a division sign. Yeah. But not quite. You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of like a, d- a division sign written by a chicken. Yeah. In the in the year like 1200 BC or something. <laughs> yeah. Interesting, and it and it um, to indicate a doubtful or spurious passage. Yeah, fascinating. It's kind of it's kind of a yeah. It is kind of an ancient asterisk. Yeah. Hmm. Well, what a funny thing. Yeah. You're welcome, world obelisk. 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 Oh man, I've clicked the thing. I gotta get a. I'm gonna have to get a, a drop in of this guy saying this on um, DuckDuckGo because it's. <laughs> he goes obelisk, obelisk, obelisk. It's very okay. Villain's <laughs> vocabulary. Gavin, try to have a little bit of patience with me as today's. Imagine with you, if you will, is going to be a little bit off form and a little bit interactive. We're going to go someplace that we have no experience with and do a little bit of role playing. I'm out of you think here. you can you, <laughs> you think you can man you think you can manage that? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, the beginning of it, I, I have a, I have a pretty lugubrious 
um, opening before we get to the part where you actually have to do anything interactive. So um, <laughs> have have patience here. It's gonna it's gonna go for a little while. Um, <clears throat> all right, smoking on my Gandalf pipe and getting things ready to go. <laughs> all right. Imagine, if you will, you are a fifth-level fighter in a world of high adventure, elves and orcs, dragons and twisting spires. As you step outside the bright and lively Ramshorn pub to answer nature's call, the alleyway behind the inn is heady with a river of smells. The wet hay that lines all the back thoroughfares of the town of Redspear mixes with the essence of goat, spilled mead, and the black coastal winds that pull at your cloak. Uh, You finish relieving your bladder as a creaky old woman staggers into the alley. Some damn fool beggar crone you've seen haranguing the peasants for alms. You pay her no mind as you turn back to head inside the tavern. But... The door you came through is shut. A strange child leans up against it, smoking a pipe? Wait, what? You reach to your belt for your sword as what you thought for an instant in your drunken haze was a child whips back its hood, revealing a needle-fanged goblin that levels his crossbow at your gut, giggling. Get back, you old fool, you call out the side of your mouth. You don't want this beggar getting in the way of a fight when she stumbles toward you, cackling. Wait, that's no old woman. Her ratty cowl flutters to the ground, revealing three stacked goblins, (laughs) each on the shoulders of the next. The top one wields a shiny warhammer and licks his lips as they lilt Toward you. You pivot just as the goblin with the crossbow raises his gnarled four fingered hand, festooned with a buffet of magical rings and amulets. He drools out some hideous orcish incantation, and a shower of ice explodes from him, brightening the alley for an instant. You are frozen in place with cold elemental ice holding you down. Damn bastard goblin orcasters, you can't turn your back on them. You watch, in horror, your sword frozen in place as the Tri-Goblin stack brings the Warhammer down on your head and you're out. You awaken, groggy and miserable, splayed out in six inches of fetid, brackish water. The oppressive stench of rot drifts among the pool like a ghostly fog. The uneven drips from the distant ceiling of this shadowy dungeon ring in your weakened skull like pings on a steel drum. Trying not to move too much, you shift your eyes and close your nostrils. An ancient, wide-turning stone staircase leads to a rotting portcullis one level up. Slimy bones, some human, some probably elven, some totally unidentifiable, are tossed about in uncertain piles, riddled with sickening gnaw marks you cannot bring yourself to contemplate. All I wanted was a bit of adventure and to find my old lost friend Charlemagne. (laughs) You weren't expecting to be consumed by ghouls in some miserable dungeon. You shift a bit more to assess your situation. Your belongings are all gone. Except you check your special hiding spot. Down the rear of your right boot, there it is, the mysterious potion you traded for with the Tinker Gnome Wench back in Vandal's Port. 
You were a bit off your head when you made that trade, but now it might be the one thing to save you. Suddenly, what you first thought was the abysmal remains of another wretched soul begins to shift on the other side of the dungeon. In a horrific slide, it picks itself up, a splattered skeleton festooned with gallons of blood and bits of flesh. It pulls at its entrails, seemingly hundreds of king's feet of purple, disgusting guts that erupt like viscous spaghetti from its exploded ribcage. <laughs> cool points of unnatural light float in its hollow eye sockets. Somehow it conjures a tongueless roar of rage or hunger, you can't tell, as it stumbles for you, pulling its intestines tight like a filthy garret. This thing intends to strangle you with its own guts. <laughs> All right, Gavin. Uh, do you want to give your um, fighter character a name? Yes. Okay, what do you want to call this, this, this person? This individual? I'll call him Vacarell. All right, Vacarell. How how should I be spelling Vacarell? V a k a r e l. Okay, Vacarell. Is he a, a human, an elf, a dwarf, a halfling, or other? He's a half elf. I always like the half elves. Yeah, we'll go um, classic Hess and Gavin role playing and do <laughs> yeah, Vacarell the half elf. All right, um, so. This is going to be a um, a hand in telling you what today's subject is. I'm going to ha go ahead and ask you to do a spout lore roll on this thing, this bizarre undead entity in front of you. Uh, there's no way in hell that you have somewhere in your uh, abode two six-sided dice, is there? Um, yes. Can you wrangle yeah, those? I'll get those real quick. I got a two and a three. All right, so we got a two and a three. How good do we think Vacarell's intelligence score is? I would put it at at least 13. Okay, so he's a good but not amazing in um, uh, intelligence score. Yeah. All right, so <clears throat> with, a, with a five plus a minor bonus, I'm going to say you. Uh, have heard of some i some the idea of a, an entity that is an undead skeleton who drags its guts around <laughs> um you can't remember the uh, a, 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 a moog a goob a synthesizer you can't remember <laughs> um, but you do know that they're very dangerous and very hungry yeah in reality, this is what in Dungeon World is known as a morg, which is M-O-H-R-G, a morg, which is a, a special kind of undead that yeah. can only be created out of the remains of a miserable, uh, miserable murder, someone who has unrighteously taken lots of lives. And when they are uh, killed through some miserable sorcery or another they're brought back as an as a restless um, quasi demonic undead abomination that must feast on the souls of the innocent yeah um, you notice as it clamors towards you that it is 
uh, ratcheted around its spine with a heavy iron chain that is up against uh, the side of the stairwell in a fashion that you, you is intended to keep you from going up the stairs to get to the portcullis. Yeah. So uh, this thing is going to be able, <clears throat> it's going to be able to get probably to you right now if you don't move and you are you are unarmed, but you have this um, mysterious potion, the point of which you are not completely certain on you. What would you like to do? Oh shit. These are really tough. I'm looking at it. Um, yeah, they're very unpleasant. In- insane. They're, okay. they're, yeah. they're, they're nasty and, um, they're, um, not like, uh, yeah, they're not something that you would put one character up against, um, yeah. uh, unarmed in a dungeon. I'm, I'm putting you in a very difficult spot intentionally. I will drink the potion. Okay. Um... You, um, you drink the potion and, um, you get this sickly, viscous wash of strange, heady flavor. It's, it's kind of like a a grape dimetap explosion. (laughs) And it goes down your throat and up into your skull. And suddenly you are awash with a, a new view on the situation. You are looking down on yourself um, through the bowels of this keep as if from thousands and thousands of, of um, feet in the air, as if you were... Uh, a collection of stars looking through this dungeon uh, down the Burbs style from thousands <laughs> of feet up. And and suddenly you are dropped back into your own body, seeing this nasty, roaring thing stagger at you through the brackish water. And um, a... Uh, a collection of blinding light explodes out of the black ceiling of the dungeon and collects in the shape of a giant purple snake woman that slithers around the the slimy walls of this um, of this dungeon and uh, the the gibbering monster pays absolutely no mind to it. The moor is completely undistracted from moving at you. But what you realize is that um, a constellation of a goddess that is represented by a naga, a giant snake woman, has descended from the heavens themselves down into the dungeon to assist you. Uh, you may make an attack roll as the um, astrological Nama, Naga entity, as the astrological Naga entity. So um, basically, right. we're going to do for Dungeon World, uh, we'll call it a hack and slash attack. Okay. So just give me a 2d6, and then I will give you, um, tell you what the Naga uh, that entity uh, does. Six and a four, ten. Okay, so a natural 10 
the Naga has um, a very significant uh, bonus on attacks against the undead as a um, inherently magical creature. Um, she dives down, skimming over the water, and uh, collects the morgue's t- t- uh, nattering skull in her hands and grips onto it as it looks in her trying to roar one of its um, patented miserable groans and as it's it does its skull pops into a <laughs> perfume blossom of um, white powder and then plops into the fetid water um, harmless and useless followed by the hundreds of feet of uh, wretched intestine, and the morgue is defeated. Um, the, the Naga looks around um, in satisfaction that it has done its job and then gestures gestures at the, the portcullis and makes a curious expression toward you and then does kind of like a magical flourish and then poof, um, descends into... Uh, the ether and is gone, leaving nothing except the faint smell of um, of oaken ash. So um, the morgue is defeated, uh, and as you uh, realize that you have been saved for the moment, you see uh, a shadowy figure on the other side of the portcullis at the top of the staircase. Um, gesturing you that way. What would you like to do? Um, are any of the bones of the morgue left, like, say, a femur? <laughs> yeah, you can extricate um, a, a hefty femur from either the morgue or one of these other um, right. piles of miscellaneous uh, bone I'll junk. G- I'll grab a nice balanced femur to, <laughs> to <laughs> okay. cudgel up on it and uh, head up the staircase. Yeah, I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is my pal. Um, all right, you move cautiously up the stone staircase toward the portcullis, which, as far as you can tell, is the only um, escape out of this uh, dungeon, and are shocked to see the... Um, ashen and thinned but living face of your long lost friend Charlemagne <laughs> a um we'll, we'll say he's a we'll say he's what should he what race should he be this Charlemagne a, uh, let's make him not an elf of yeah. some, let's, uh, a non-elf something else Dwarf. um Half okay orc. he's Half orc. Well, sure. Let's yeah. uh, we'll make him a ha- we'll make him a half orc. Half orc. Um, the Charlemagne, who usually is um, robust, his um, his orange skin looks pale and covered with ash. It looks as if perhaps he's been suffering in this dungeon for some time. He um, he curls his finger to to gesture you over to the portcullis, and he goes. My friend, I've lost the strength to break down this weakened, foolish trap myself, but if you help me, we can get out of here. Uh, you have not seen Charlemagne in over a year, so you are um, relatively joyous in discovering that he is alive. 
What would you like to do? Do you want to help him um, move the portcullis out yes. of the way? Yes, I do. All right. All right. Give me a strength check, which as actually, you know what? In Dungeon World, which is the thing that we are revealed that this episode is about, um, you actually know only barbarians get uh, Ben Bar's liftgate. So instead, roll me a 2D stick, 2D6 um, as a, uh, a strength move. Eight. Which, all right. Well, an eight, if you are being aided by Charlemagne, um, although this would normally be done by a PC, I'll roll it as if he's a PC. And he does give you an ability to get that. You rolled an eight, you would have gotten a mixed success with your strength bonus as a fighter. The two of you are able to put your asses into it and shift the portcullis up a couple of feet so that you can roll through and the two of you begin running out the hallway to escape this miserable dungeon. After a few minutes, he uh, takes you breathlessly through a hidden uh, escape chamber where you finally see the light of day and step out into the forest. It's daytime at this point and make it to a nearby creek where um, you uh, both begin washing off your faces and checking yourselves for wounds and getting the dungeon muck off of you. Charlemagne says, I got there just in time. I thought you were going to sleep through that miserable fiend eating your face off. Oh, worry not. Uh, my my um, attention to strangling skeletal enemies has never been sharper. Let's check upstream to make sure that there's nothing rotting in this uh, water before we drink from it. <laughs> oh, okay, good idea. So you're <laughs> you're um, investigating the water to make sure that there's no um, there's no dangers with it. And then as you look down, it reflects back up at your face. And as you do, you see some you see something terrible, which is in the reflection. Charlemagne changes instantly from your friend the half-orc into the dull gray fish rubbery fish skinned visage of a flat-nosed doppelganger wielding a dagger over your head dun 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 oh, and we and we we will leave we will leave Vacarel the half-elf um at that cliffhanger for now. So today's episode is just... Uh, today's episode is Dungeon World the game as uh, as a general concept. So that's all the, ga- the gaming we're going to do for it. I just wanted to kind of do something a little bit more dynamic for our yeah. imagine, if you will. Um, since we were going to introduce kind of a gaming topic that probably a lot of people actually don't know that is a little bit um, less uh, in the middle of the bullseye in terms of people's role-playing knowledge. Uh, yeah, I wanted I, to, to... I barely dump, know it. I wanted to, to, to spray some Dungeon World onto the, onto the audio and get somebody, people a little bit of a sense of it. So, um, Gavin, you have played Dungeon World, I know, yeah. because I, ra- I ran a game or two um, of it that you were in. 
Yeah. Um, how how for somebody who is not an expert on it, it what is what is Dungeon World at, either as its own thing or in comparison to say Dungeons and Dragons, which is a lot more ubiquitous for the readers. Uh, Dungeon World is like a streamlined system. Uh huh. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. That's pretty uh, narrative driven. Yeah. The phrase the the phrase of art that is used. Um, in the role-playing world for games that are kind of in that zone is um, fiction first or fiction forward, meaning yeah. that um, Dungeons & Dragons, as I have indicated before, tends to be a combat system with a wardrobe of role-playing laid on top of it. Uh, the fiction forward systems are kind of the vice versa of that. That they are role-playing systems with a um, a costuming of battle and fighting laid on top of it. Now that's an oversimplification, but um, you you kind of get the idea. It tends to be less dice heavy. Um, you don't buy 17 books. You buy one book that if yeah. we did video, uh, everybody, the dear readers would see, I am holding up the one book in front of me, um, <laughs> that is, um, a very gnarled and, uh, dog-eared from all of my aggressive use from it as a dungeon master. Um, it is a, a yeah, it is a kind of a distilled version and dungeon world itself, um, comes out of, uh, a trend might be the wrong word because Dungeon World also was um, cre helping to define the trend of a rise in fiction-forward fiction games starting in around 2010. So in 2010 was published a game called Apocalypse World by a dude named Vince Baker and um, I'm going to say Maggie Baker, but their their name is spelled M-E-G-U-E-Y. So I'm just going to I'm just going to say Maggie because any other attempt I would uh, make at that, it would sound horrible. <laughs> but the importance of Apocalypse World is um, they they kickstarted it and published it in 2010 and they made the system open source so that they said anybody can use this uh, spine framework to make your own damn game, right? Yeah. And in the ensuing years, everybody has, such that now there is a whole subgenre of fiction-forward games that are called Powered by the Apocalypse Engine games, of yeah. which I have played probably 10 um, that all use the same spine, which is a fairly simple 2D6 si system for basically almost everything you roll. Dungeon World has a slight difference in that it still uses the traditional D&D &D polyhedral set for damage, but basically that's it. Um, you know, you and I are weird where we will always pull out weird dice to make people just roll weird shit because we like yeah. rolling dice. But yeah. if you play it strictly by the rules, Dungeon World is just the regular 2d6 rolls as we did in our introduction, plus um, a modifier reflecting the traditional statistics that it correlate with Dungeons & Dragons, your decks, your wisdom, your blah, blah, blah. Feeling brave tonight? How brave? Brave enough to do battle with hideous monsters? Hmm? Brave enough to sneak around dank castles in the dark and chance being the next victim? There are a huge number of them. 
Um, let's see. This is Professor Marmalade, coming at you tight and oily from the Industrial Park off River Road in Westover, West Virginia. Among the dozens of games built out of the Apocalypse Engine, some notable titles include Avatar Legends, set in the Avatar The Last Airbender World. City of Mist, a fantasy noir about gaining legendary powers. Dungeon World, like a world, made of dungeons, where you also might meet a dragon. Epithion, a high fantasy about young dragons. Fellowship, a high fantasy about weird magic German mercenaries. Iron Sword, a dark fantasy. Cult with AK, the reboot of a classic dark fantasy Swedish splatterpunk game. Masks, where you play as a teen with superpowers. Monster Hearts, about the paranormal romances of teen monsters. Monster of the Week, which gained prominence thanks to the Adventure Zone, is a setting that combines the X-Files, Buffy, etc., where monster hunters track down dangerous beasts that want to wreck the world. Night Witches, about a regiment of Soviet airwomen during World War II. The Sprawl, a dystopian cyberpunk game flavored like Blade Runner or Cyberpunk Red. Tremulous, a cosmic horror in the style of H.P. Lovecraft. Thirsty Sword Lesbians, a speculative sci-fi about angsty lesbians fighting evil and falling in love, also they have swords. Urban Shadows, an urban horror similar to Vampire, Werewolf, and the World of Darkness. Spirit of 77, an hilarious take on the exploitation films of the 1970s. Blades in the Dark, a steampunk fantasy about a retro future where players battle for power among the filthy, gang-run, mushroom-covered cobblestone streets of a ghostly mirror world. Personally, Professor Marmalade recommends the podcasts. The Magpies, an LGBTQ plus friendly actual play of Blades in the Dark by five strangers who have the most heartwarming and delightful improvisation choices that can be imagined, and Spout Law, four jovial Canadians that crack each other up too much to take Dungeon World seriously, while still crafting amazing stories thanks to their underappreciated GM. Michael Bublé drop. Professor Marmalade out. So if you want to learn about fiction-forward games, pick up Spirit of 77, Thirsty Sword Lesbians, or Dungeon World, or even Blades in the Dark. And to get a sense of how playing them might go, listen to the Magpies and Spout Lore on your podcast machine, they're both delicious. Just like me. With a name like Marmalade, I have to be delicious. Is this like a video game? Sort of. I'm going to blast through the most relevant um, points about Dungeon World real quick in terms of actual history. It is a fan. It is a obviously a fantasy role playing game created by two dudes, Sage Latora and Adam Kobol. Uh, they describe it as having old school style with modern rules, which I think is uh, fairly accurate. They raised about. $80,000 from a lot of backers on Kickstarter for its release and in 2012 and in 2012 it was the Golden Geek RPG of the year and since then it has continued to be one of the hot performers on Drive-Through RPG which is a very common hub for downloading PDF versions of yeah. your favorite games in a uh, legal and um, creator benefiting way. Yeah, so, we might have stuff on there eventually. Yes, um, so I'm I was still working on it. I'm still working on like tons of stuff for that. Yeah, we will pr- very we will certainly have somebody's game to promote. Um, through <laughs> yeah. R- drive through yeah. RPG at some point. Uh, stay tuned, you nerd kids who listen to uh, yeah. this show. But it uses the most powerful information processor in the world, your brain. Cool, so how do we play? In terms of monsters, which is what this show is about, um, the, the monsters that I tossed into... 
um, our little intro, were, there were four of them in that. There was the Goblin Orcaster, which is kind of a, a, an awkward goblin shaman spellcaster that blasted you at the beginning. There is the Morg, which is yeah. uh, an undead abomination um, based off of uh, a, a miserable soul that is brought back to haunt and eat the innocent. Yeah, um, I the didn't potion. Know how tough they the, were. Yeah, they're very tough. Yeah, if yeah, if you, if I, I tried to make it as obvious as possible that if you just tried to fight the thing that you would have been done so. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The potion <laughs> is actually was my take on a very fun monster that is built into the um, the section of, on monsters. There's a whole great long section toward the end of the Dungeon World book that is various um, monster settings. It has them divided up into dungeon dwellers and, um, you know, demonic entities and the undead so that it's easy to say like, oh, I'm looking for something that might, I might find in a bog, you know, and you can go, just go to that section and pull something out real quick. But the, the potion that you consumed was me kind of weaponizing what is called a concept elemental, which, uh, <laughs> for the, for the readers, I, before the, be, yesterday, before we, um, before we got started, I asked you randomly for a number one through nine and for a yeah. concept. And the number one through nine was going to determine your character class. The fourth, the fourth class was fighter, and <laughs> the concept that you gave me was astrology. So yeah. you drank a an astrology potion. <laughs> so I just I quickly in the shower thought like, okay, what the fuck is an astrology potion? Do we have to read a bunch of rules? Not this time. And came <laughs> yeah. up with something that would conjure a. Um, a monster that would be represented by, uh, you know, an astrological sign in this fantasy world. So I came yeah. up with, okay, I bet these kinds of people would see Nagas in their religions in the stars. So um, <laughs> you drank a concept elemental and it saved you. And then finally you were confronted that your friend was not your friend. He was instead a miserable double goer or doppelganger which is um, obviously not indigenous to this game because Dungeon World is both inventing its own monsters and taking them from the long lived uh, pre and post Tolkien pantheons of fantasy gaming generally because it is it is very clearly trying to um, rope in the tropes and nostalgia and feeling for people that have um, a kind of a 1E, 2E Dungeons and Dragons um, desire and and nostalgia for that style of gaming while also adding in curiosity and surprise and, um, you know, a playfulness that is different than just playing 5e or, or trying to crack out your like first edition games and and play as the elf or whatever this time i'm the dragon master and you are the adventurers is it okay if i watch until i get the hang of it you don't need the hang of anything imagination is all you need close your eyes open your mind and i'll transport you to another realm <laughs> oh yeah and I appreciate that mix of the familiar and the new. It's one of my favorite things about doing fiction-forward games because I, I, I really like playing d and I really like playing Shadowrun. I really like playing um, 
things that I have a lot of experience with, as both of you, both of us do. But also, I really like being surprised by stuff. And one of the things I actually dislike about D and D is because it is so well known, it you kind of can't um, surprise your your like veteran players if everybody kind of makes a consensus that you're going to use the monsters that are in the books right yeah like, not at all you can't you're, you know you you <laughs> try to get tricky with an aboleth and making everybody yeah. see illusions that it's not an aboleth and to you know to get into negotiations with it but the, very quickly your veteran players who've been playing since the 90s are like hey it's a, it's a, an illusion fish you know like yeah. and yeah. It, it it takes <laughs> it it takes a lot of that kind of like tension and drama away from the game that would in my opinion, always be there if you were wandering through a fantastic world and you came upon a bear with an owl face suddenly trying to yeah. rend you in half. You know what I mean? You wouldn't be like, yeah. oh, whatever, it's just an owl bear. Stab it enough yeah, times until it dies. Just an owl bear. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> uh, so I think that... Um, <laughs> that happened in, in one of the latest games. It was like we were um, tracking something through a zoo. I think you might have been playing in that one. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I was really playing. Uh, we I was playing in something where we found a baby owl bear, but I don't know if I was playing in this game you're talking about. Yeah, I think that was it, though. Yeah, it was a baby owl bear, and we didn't think anything of it other than like, um, okay, now we have a baby owl bear that we can try to train. <laughs> yeah, uh, rather than how fantastic is it that an owl and a bear exist at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Well, you actually probably forget because. Um, that was uh, that was Fuzz's game where we went into the Feywild at the end, and oh, I I, I, oh. and I know I know this particularly well because my um, my gnomish druid Wix ended up adopting the owl bear successfully when oh, okay, I, because yeah. because I was playing a druid he he we fed the owl bear and it kind of followed us along for a session or so until yeah. he kind of adopted it. And I also tr uh, pulled Wix transdimensionally into a couple of other games run by other people because since he was <laughs> a planeswalker in the game that we had already and he was yeah. a, a druid of significant, significant enough power at that point, it made sense that he could jump from reality to reality. So um, yeah. now Wix pulls his... Uh, his massive hat away and reveals his familiar or animal friend that I have named um, Albert Camus. <laughs> <laughs> One of the reasons that I like not just Dungeon World, but um, newer systems and systems that are a little bit more collaborative is the element of surprise you get when you can pull out a new monster. And one of the great things about that, that is that unlike D&D where it's a, it's kind of a, um, it's kind of a tightrope walk to design a fresh monster uh, that Dungeon World comes baked into it um, with a system for designing your own monster. It's got a it's got a breakout to explain um, exactly point by point what you need to do 
to um, make a monster from starting with what is its instinct. You know, it's actually not as complicated as you might think. You know, basic stuff like hit points. Does it show up alone or with friends? And, you know, you do you, you answer seven questions and give it a little bit of flavor and whammo blammo, you've got your own monster, which um, I really like. And I don't have to ask you whether you like it, because I know you do. The handing even novice players and child players um, the reins and saying, like, well, just it's like you're already making shit up. Just make more of the shit up like yeah, I, yeah. The, that you should really take this um, upon yourself as saying, like, you don't have to only make up the parts that are given to you. You can make up. All of yeah. it. It's just a yeah. pyramid of nerds w- where the pyramid like has the fanciest, highest paid nerds on top, and they're the ones that publish the books. And, you know, when you're a kid, it's a lot easier to take the books as some kind of gospel or edict. But, I mean, th- I think there was something different yeah. about you and I in particular. Where we were like, well, half of this we're just going to throw in the trash. <laughs> we're going to re- yeah. replace, oh, replace so much of this with our own shit immediately. Um, something That's, something about our gaming I, dynamic was very much about making it our own thing. Sorry, what were you going to say? I'm I'm going to I'm going to put myself in the episode here and annoyingly bring up uh, BattleTech. <laughs> okay, which is, which is like a rule system that begs to be changed, and it, okay, and it's it says entirely in the rule book like take these robots apart and rebuild them to your specifications. It suggests that like severely. And a lot of people have a problem with this. A lot of people also have a problem with like changing the base, the most basic ass rules to it. Like, like uh, a lot of the rules are a little bit ridiculous. Like initiative doesn't matter. Um, Everybody goes kind of at the same time. And mm-hmm. the only reason to have initiative is who announces what they want to do when. Yeah, right. Like, um, somebody announces it first, and then the loser announces it next. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then like, all of the damage is applied at once, and everybody moves at once, and it doesn't really matter, and it's kind of ridiculous. Which <laughs> uh-huh. means, pretty much, I'm sure of it, that Jordan <clears throat> Weissman told the world, like, Make up your own rules, even. <laughs> like, don't just make up your own robots. Make up your own rules. And yeah. I have, and, like, the Battletech rules that we play by make sense and are completely fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I and, I and actually, one aspect of the battle... I'm kind of an initiative um, uh, geek. I've... I've I I sat there for a few hours and hacked out um, my own initiative system with the help of Fuzz one day when I was just like standing around because it bothered me. We we took the the this is really in the D and D weeds, but we took the Greyhawk system and hacked it into what I'm calling now like the Redhawk system, which is a simplified version of the Greyhawk system. But the thing is, nobody fucking wants it. It's just a thing that I tinker with because I ever nowadays you can't even get people to use real initiative in D and D. They like yeah. by which I mean you'll roll initiative once and it'll it'll go through the whole encounter. That's just a completely yeah. new thing that was standardized by everybody being too lazy to roll initiative every time in five e. Like, and <laughs> yeah. I get it because of how much time it consumes. But I really like rolling initiative every time because I think it yeah. adds a lot more. 
drama, particularly for people that have organized their characters around having the best speed and action yeah. economy. So if you're playing, I think if that's you're playing a shatter run side effect for you and I. Yeah, maybe. But I also think that <laughs> like you're really taking away one of the main tools from rogues and rogues and monks and um, fighters. Anybody, yeah. anybody that has organized their character around like speed and getting the drop on the other characters, you're taking out. And I'm also, I'm not like a four E nerd where I want to pathfinder out like a hundred different vectors before the game even starts. But I just, I really like initiative, and it really bothers me that the consensus has just been like, we don't even really do this anymore. We just come up with a, um, you know, an order, and then we run through that order for the whole encounter. But yeah, we yeah. we're, we're losing we're losing audience by the moment about talking about fucking D and D initiative. But I I am I'm a weird mix of wanting to be very crunchy and not crunchy at all because I would take Dungeon World or another fiction forward game, and I have in the past added an initiative initiative system onto a game that doesn't even have one at all because sometimes, if, particularly if you're playing a game with elaborate combat scenes, you just want to eliminate all of the bickering about who's going to go next. Um, even if yeah. you're playing with people that are very cooperative and it's not bickering, it's just the like overly polite Midwestern hesitation of, oh, I don't know, you go. Like, just get it out of the way. Just pick an order. And a lot of times, <laughs> yeah. even if you spend five minutes like rolling that out, it will save you five minutes of trying to decide, okay, who's going to do what now? You just go like bang, 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 bang. It's Ted, yeah, Ted, yeah. Sally, and then Dave. All right, just fucking do it. Yeah. Now I'm going to take you to a very different castle. This is the castle of King Halva II. He takes himself quite seriously, and so do some of his subjects. So who is Dungeon World for if you are listening to this? You might be, yeah. uh, if you, I kind of try to imagine, I'm going to blow everybody's mind, um, role-playing games as a, everybody ring the bell, Gavin talked about Battletech, and I'm going to say Venn Diagram. Venn Diagram. Um, and, but... <laughs> Just generally, to figure out whether you should be role-playing with a certain group or a different group or what group you should be playing with, we'll start with an easy sliding scale of all the way to the left are people that um, have all of the minis and have all of the maps and have big uh, toy castles and toy ships and maybe yeah. also play Pathfinder and would happily do 12 hours of playing Risk and are very wanting to math out all of the combat and kill the monster in the most efficient way possible and are minning and maxing their characters, okay? People that are very combat and math-oriented. And then all the way on the right are people that are wearing flowy pirate shirts and listening to meatloaf under the candelabra <laughs> and emoting about all of the, the the misery it's causing them to have to continually drain the life force of the mortals around <laughs> yeah. them and never really get to a fucking point, but to live in the emotional <laughs> space of their werewolf or vampire or fairy um, <laughs> yeah. badonkadonk, right? So you all yeah. the way on one side um, 
you know, is theatrical jackassery, and all the way on the other side is um, crunchy math power jerks. And, you know, I'm making the most egregious extreme examples of both, just to illustrate the thing. And But probably your slider is somewhere in the middle, uh, you know, dear reader at home. And the trick is yeah. to find out, like, are the people that are asking you to join them way over on the left, way over on the right, or kind of like somewhere in the middle? And does that match your priorities? Do you want to spend lots of time flipping through books, checking charts, you know, doing adding and subtracting, getting your character organized? Is that satisfying for you? Because for a lot of people, it's not, uh, particularly people that have joined the world of role playing in this juggernaut of uh, the trend that it has been coming on since like maybe the past five years. Yeah. So if you've just come on to 5e in the last five years, you might not actually be a D&D person. It's just the only game that anybody talks about. So you don't know what the other options are. Right. Does that make sense? Because you might your slider might sit way farther toward the candelabras and flowy shirts and and role playing. And I, I don't mean that to be. Um, anti that at all. I like role. I like role playing heavy yeah. games. I just like them to also yeah. smash up against scenes of intense conflict and in either you know battle or you yeah. know so, some yeah. some um, some set it's piece. Nice to have a yeah. It's nice to have a vampire game that goes somewhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, and <laughs> and so figure out where your um, where your dial sits on that slider and, and try to only join groups of people that also are somewhere in the vicinity of where your dial lives. Because if you're a crunchy numbers person who's going to try to make, you know, the half-orc um, halberd-wielding guy who's, you know, got the sentinel feet and has maxed out everything perfectly so that you can dominate every combat, and everybody that you're playing with ignores initiative... Um, doesn't know how to calculate what their AC is and is just constantly talking about their tragic backstory, you're not going to have fun playing with those people. For the monster is not in my face, but in my soul. And the modern trend eliminates the, you know, the idea that you need to have that conversation ahead of time so that you don't go into something and spend three or four weeks realizing that you don't want to play with these people at all. So if your slider is a little bit more toward the, the, the flowy shirts and candelabras, the, um, the fiction forward games might be a good start is find people that are playing, uh, dungeon world or find people that are playing one of these other systems that is a little bit less, um, chart and math heavy and is a lot more focused on, you know, joking around in the scenes, making character decisions, you know, utilizing your backstory. You know, there are much more complex dynamics between the bonds of the, the characters that are in play. So the, your characters, their relationships are dynamic and change over time, and you resolve different bonds and build new ones, and that conflict is actually gamified in a way that can be satisfying. Um, there's a game that's not powered by the apocalypse, but I really would recommend called um, Blades in the Dark that uses a different system that's also 2D6 so it's not mathematically very complicated and Blades in the Dark have you ever heard of it Gavin? I was 
Yeah, I was confused about that. I thought Blades in the Dark was powered by the Apocalypse. It technically is, but it's kind of... It is powered by the Apocalypse, but it's an off-branch so that the system it's used, that, that it uses, although the spine is different, the rib cage and the extremities are all different bones. And as somebody who's run Blades in the Dark, technically, although it is powered by the Apocalypse, it is it uses so many mm, it uses so many alternative aspects that are usually boilerplate for most of these other games. It has a very different feeling. So, for instance, it has a really awesome flashback mechanic where. The most infuriating part of playing like Shadowrun, as I'm sure I don't have to tell you, is like you do all of this prep work for a heist or whatever. You're going to save the save the the new robot AI from its evil megacorp overlords. And you go to do all this stuff and then you just hit a massive roadblock with something you did not prepare uh, for. And you're just straight up fucked. I'm having... Well, the great thing about Blades in the Dark is it has this flashback mechanic where you don't do any of the pre-pro except for basic things. You say how much stuff you're going to take, and then you come up with a basic plan, and then you go immediately into the first conflict of the heist. And then what you use your flashback mechanic to say, oh, well, this problem, we're going to do a flashback that costs us this much stress that will allow us to have something in our bag of tricks, so to speak, to solve this exact exact dilemma so you don't have yeah, to spend all this like these you know whole sessions of, of rigorous prep for shit that might not happen that was a really good system yeah i played in the cyberpunk game that you ran right yeah i played uh, what i called um yeah well what we called cyberpunk in the dark which was yeah. um basically a cyberpunk game in terms of like you know cyberpunk red and the old og cyberpunk system but i ran it mechanically um, it was just cyberpunk yeah. skinned over top of Blades in the Dark. So kind of yeah, I, the way I described it was like a um, what's the car that Marty McFly drives that goes through time? The DeLorean. Like, yeah, DeLorean kind of skinned on top of a Tesla, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the only problem with the flashback thing was that I kept forgetting it existed. So did Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so we would be stuck for a good half an hour. Be like, what the fuck do we do this? Yeah, like, yeah. guys, this yeah, is like, how the oh, game works. It, if something's not, not working, for this. Yeah, if something's not working, <laughs> just flash back to having a solution for it. That's the way it works. Yeah, we were so conditioned in the conventional, like, linear timeline of playing that we forgot we could do that. And it wasted a couple half hour chunks. <laughs> yeah, um, but I yeah I think but I think everybody that was playing in that before um, I think we had a as nearly all games end with like a personnel or scheduling conflict. I think everybody yeah. I think everybody was having yeah. fun with that up till that point. Yes, I would I would like to restart that engine and re, and play Cyberfunk in the dark some more. I think that would be really cool. It, you know what? It was perfect for the year twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, I you know everybody. <laughs> Everybody was buying all of their um, new D and D manuals, and I was chopping and screwing two existing games into a, uh, a completely new, horrible hybrid yeah. of a game. But um, yeah, and then playing it, playing it online on a future video phone. <laughs> yes, and then and then and then in the fashion of like the the new meme that 2020 was terrible, we all had scheduling conflicts. Yes, and couldn't play even though all of us had all the time in the world. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's funny how that goes. All right. Well, I know. Let's um, let's get into the closing a- aspects of the show and ask: yes. um, Are the various um, fantastical monstrosities of the dungeon world? It's not the. It's just. It's just dungeon world. Are they bitchin' yeah. van art? People want paradise. And they will have it. Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it bitchin' van art? I guess. You know, I um, would say... Like I, fantasy wizards. I, I, yeah, I would say that if you got to pick and choose from the whole dungeon world um, pantheon and you were able to take any style of some of the really... There's some really fantastic illustrations by which I mean high quality not just with swords and sorcery yeah. in the 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 main book if you get it I'd say it definitely it's definitely bitch and van art um you know you got you got dragons you got wizards you got swords you got you know chicks and metal bikinis so yeah I think it safely falls <laughs> yeah. into the category of bitch and van art so that part's easy I'd buy that for a dollar <laughs> <laughs> Gavin, have you wrangled any goblin um, or casters or three goblins in a trench coat for my perusal today? It's a typical boisterous night in the King's Banquet Hall. Ale flows, games of chance are played, ridiculous tales are told, lusty songs are sung. Goblin mode is taking off. Like, like everybody is using it. People are accusing Elon Musk of being in goblin mode. <laughs> Oh, God. I don't like talking about Elon Musk, but what could he possibly be doing that would cause him to be um, uh, accused of being in goblin mode? He offered to buy Twitter. Oh, that I know about that. I don't I don't think I don't think offering to spend millions of dollars on a major media platform is in any way equivalent to like laying around eating carrot cake and soaking in your depression. Yeah, I don't think people understand what goblin mode is, which is a very goblin thing to do. <laughs> I think I, I, I think that's a dangerous disambiguation of that world of word of just doing anything, doing anything that, um, you know, people dislike uh, is, is being goblin goblin-y. Yeah. Is, yeah, we don't... We well, th- yeah, there, there's our goblin right there. Is people... <laughs> People misusing the term goblin mode is goblinish. Yeah, well, we'll take we'll take this as an opportunity to we're going to steal goblin mode like um, f- the former president stole fake news. We're going to turn it back around to what it really should mean, which is stealing chickens from the humans and yeah. um, burning yeah. bur- burning their bodies over a spit yeah. and laying around with a distended fat belly for half oh, of the day. And, and worshipping a ridiculous thing. Yes. Yeah. And hating horses. Hating horses and worshipping a ridiculous thing, which is like what, what a lot of social media is. <laughs> You're all goblins. <laughs> yes. Balancing a tankard of whatever your preferred belly belly is on your distended, uh, whatever your preferred beverage is on your distended belly, uh, and belching <laughs> while plucking your teeth with the um, with the meatless bones of some ridiculous meal, while um, yeah. <laughs> la- lounging for excessive periods of time. Uh, okay, goblin mode is settled. What do we do at the end of the show? What do we do?
And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time, when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. And would you kindly... Tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform it's on. Rate at the top top rating that you can get. That really does help. <laughs> All the way um, I have a Twitch channel that I've been on um, pretty frequently. And a YouTube channel. Just type in Gavin Longshanks into Twitch or YouTube. You'll find me. I do th- uh, things. <laughs> Share an episode on your favorite social media and hit up our Instagram for images that go along with each episode. Uh, Comment on the Instagram. Engage the Instagram. Love the Instagram. Email us suggestions for the monsters that we should cover. Um, Email us gaming stories. Email us anything at all at oopsallmonsters at gmail.com Oops, all monsters at gmail.com. And if you would like to toss a coin into the potion fund and help support Oops All Monsters, we would super appreciate it. You can make one-shot contributions at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters, or if you're feeling really froggy and want to sign up for the Patreon, go to patreon.com slash oopsallmonsters. Lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song, her word at... Her work as part of the duo The Darling Kathleen's can be found at YouTube at The Darling Kathleen's. And with that, I have been Hess. And I have been Goblin Gavin. And we have been surfing the... Oops. Oops, all entire category. <laughs> yep. Did <laughs> uh, you, you see that just this morning it was announced that Dragonlance is coming back out for 5e? Ooh. Yeah. I like Dragonlance, actually. Uh, really? I didn't Mostly think... Mostly because I, I had the book. Yeah. Okay. I actually wouldn't think you're much of a Dragonlancer, but um, I it, it's interesting. It's going to be weird for it to be in 5e. I'm wondering how they're going to... Ch- I'm wondering how they're going to change a lot of that shit that was very 90s. Yeah, I liked Dragonlance because it had, like, uh, technology gnomes in it. Yeah, tinker gnomes are good. Yeah, the weird halflings gnomes. are going to be very divisive because people yeah. people, people hate those halflings. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Oops all kinders, everybody. We'll see you next time on Oops All Monsters. See you, see you Close next it time. Up. Close it up. Close it up. See you next time. <laughs>